sharp entries. All right, guys, max it out for seven. Ready? We move in two. One, two. Stick up the leg drive. Go. Go, Seb. Crank on it, baby. One seat down. Sharp. Good. Dropping the split. Yeah, 38 here. Hello, and welcome to Steady State Podcast, your rowing fix where the water's always flat, the catchers are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. We're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates the expansive array of rowers, coaches, and coxswains in a podcast designed to savor real life experience from launch to coxie at every level. We're Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode about coastal rowing. Traditional rowers cross our fingers and hope for calm, flat water each time we go out, but not coastal rowers. We sat down with Ben Booth, Mark Oria, Hilary Sager, and Christine Rubino to talk about wetsuits in winter, beach sprints, buoy turns, boat design, green waves, and running in the sand. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at studystatenetwork.com slash podcast or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, would you leave us a review? When you do, it helps our podcast get noticed and reach more ears. We're really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. For this episode of Steady State Podcast, we're squeezing ourselves into the tiniest seat in any sweet boat. No, not bow. We're talking about the coxswain seat. And we're steering a straight course with Corinne Wiggins, the voice behind the Instagram account, The Black Coxswain, and current New York Athletic Club Coxswain, Coral Kasdan. Thanks, you two, for being with us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, so how is your rowing week going? It's going pretty good. I actually have practice later today, so that's exciting. Yes. (laughs) Who's the team that you're working with? And Atlanta Junior Rowing Association. We're right on the Chattahoochees. And Coral, how's your rowing week going? What's up? Oh gosh. So they're only there's only sculling right now in Philly. Um, and the college boats are going out. So I've actually been training to for the lightweight pair. So I'm training on my own as a rower and erging in my house. I love myself. the pair. What? Right. <laughs> there's a lightweight pair. That's awesome. Yeah, so there's going to be a lightweight pair at World's Trials slash um, Nationals, and so me and my pair partner are just going to show up and see what happens. Oh, that's the spirit. Excellent. (laughs) So the the guest we just had on the uh, last episode is, I don't know if you know, Hillary Sager. She's from the Lightweight Double, and she hadn't been training at all, and she just decided to go to the trials and try out and see how it went. Yeah, that was a little mind boggling. She said about four or five weeks before trials down in uh, Sarasota, she was like, hmm, let's give this a try. So, you know, they had a good time. <laughs> yeah, you got to show up. You know? Yeah. All right. So we found Corinne on Instagram not that long ago um, using the handle the Black Coxin. With everything that was going on last year with the Black Lives Matter movement and all the discussion that sprouted out of that, not just in the rowing community, obviously, around the world, but in the rowing community, 
there was a lot of discussion happening and we are really excited to see a young coxswain like you step up to take on the conversation. So, you know, big round of applause for doing that <laughs> to begin with. Um, you. you know, you describe uh, on your account that it's dedicated to inspire people of color to row, you know, yes, motivation, inspiration, and there's a pretty nice little community developing there. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yes. So I like to reach out to other rowers and coxswains in the community that I find, or just from like all teams. I've done like a ton of research. I look through rosters of teams or I'll go to like the Instagram pages for teams and, you know, look through the followers or see their tag. And then I'll reach out to them. And then I like to post them so that it's like other people can kind of see that there's more of us out there. Cause I'm one of, I think three black people on my team. So it was kind of like, okay, is that it? You know, so I try to look around, find more and then it's kind of comforting for me. And then I think it's comforting for other people in the community to see more people that look like them. I think that's been the most powerful part about it is that these are just regular everyday people rowing in clubs all over the country. All of the imagery, like they're usually these great photographs uh, of them from their own Instagram accounts. And Coral, did you, have you intersected with this account at all? Are you a follower of the Black Coxon? How do you know Corinne? Okay, so actually I just started following you. Um, so I were on the Black Coxon. Um, we actually met the summer of 2019 when she was doing a junior program. It was out of the Penn Boathouse and I was training for the Pan American 8, also out of the Penn Boathouse. So we just happened to like cross paths and it was so dope to meet like other coxswains. Um, and so, yeah, we just connected on Instagram and ever since, like we've just been working together and always talking, coxing and rowing. Yeah, you know, when I reached out to Corinne um, to be on the show, this has been going on. We've been going back and forth for a few months and we were just really excited because I don't know if you saw, we had an episode um, about uh, Killian Mullins, uh, Trans Rowers United Instagram account that we had found also that we were following. And we were like, what's going on here? Like, what is this? And so we had Killian on. So we really love finding these new voices, this new talent um, out in the world. But Coral, when we asked Corinne, who she thought had a really great story. She said, you. Yo. <laughs> so the next part of the show, I know, isn't that cool? So the next part of the show is we want to hear how you each got into rowing. What's your rowing origin story? I'm a club walk-on. Um, I actually started as a rower in college at University of California, Santa Barbara. Um, so I was a women's rower for the first year, but I am 5'4", and like I was 120 pounds at the time. So Already, I knew I wanted to go as far as I could in rowing, and the only way to get into fast boats would be as a coxswain. So I switched over to men's coxing. Being at a club, wasn't totally sure how to get to next step. So it's been a very, very long journey because we just we still have the resources or the knowledge. But found New York Athletic Club, and that's what really like elevated my game and got me to cox a lot of elite athletes. And what made you walk on to that team in Santa Barbara? Would you, did someone say something to you in the quad or you just thought it was interesting or you'd see, did you know about rowing before you went to UCSB? I had no idea it existed. I, I played right. softball like all my life. Because we're a club team, we recruit like just regular people off the streets at the school. So there was a sign that was like, yo, come to this interest meeting. And I was like, 
well, I need to play a sport. And it said no experience required. I was like, that's me. Okay. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Like we have a lot of people come on who tell us that that was their rowing origin story, that someone just said something to them in the quad or on a bus somewhere. They were like, Hey, you, you know, you want to, you want to try <laughs> rowing. So Corinne, you are 17 years old, uh, still in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in Atlanta, Georgia. So how did you find rowing and how old were you? I was 13. I started in like fall of seventh grade. I started our development um, squad on our team. And so I started that with like five friends. Um, one of my friends' mom was a rower and she had just moved to our school and she was like, can you do this with me? My mom's forcing me to do it. And I needed a sport at the time. So I was like, sure. I tried it. And um I hated it at first. I'm not going to lie because the development squad is pretty much just like punishment workouts. So it's like, you know, um, creating like a discipline group or getting more disciplined for the novices and stuff like that. So it was definitely really hard, but I couldn't seem to step away from it. So I moved up to novice and I started coxing our women's team. And when I went to the camp with Coral and she was coxing the men's team and I saw their boat like flying and I did more research on her. I was like, I think I want to cox the men's team. So I talked to my coach. I switched over, started coxing the men's team. And now here I am coxing varsity men. So. How fun. That's great. And, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Rachel. I was just going to ask. So when you first got into it right off the bat, did you step in as a coxswain or what, like those first early days when you're in seventh grade, were you sitting in a boat with an oar in your hand, Corinne? Yes, ma'am. I was a rower. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so when did that transition happen that you, you moved from, um, from uh, rowing to coxing? Um, right after the development squad, you move up to novice. And when I joined novice woman, about like two weeks in, our coach was like, we don't have that many coxswains. We had like two and then we had like 50 girls. So I was like, okay, I mean, I'll try it. They asked me to. I did it. Um, I got off the water and my coach was like, I heard you did amazing. I was like, yes, I did amazing. And so I stuck with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a huge fan of coxing. If I was small, I would totally do it because I feel like, and I don't know if you can agree with this. I feel like being in the driver's seat and it's not about controlling the situation. It's really, for me, it was about what would they respond to in a positive way? And we'll ask later and talk about calls later, but you know, there's, what do you think about that being literally in that driver's seat and having those, how, what do you feel about that responsibility? Like either of you? I love the responsibility of kind of, at first I was kind of scared. I'm like, wow, I've got like eight people's lives. I have to like watch over, you know, make sure we're not like hitting anything, make sure, you know, safety first and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think, like you said earlier, the responses, like being able to say certain things and then seeing all eight people respond at once. It's a really cool feeling. And it can be really challenging. So I, I started uh, as a rower. I'm only five, two and a half. And when I got into rowing, I didn't really know anything about it. Nobody ever said to me, hey, you're like really tiny to be a rower. I just got in a boat and I learned to row. And I'm very lucky. I started as a master's rower in a club that supported me as a small rower. I mean, I was pretty headstrong about it. I, I was asked to cox early on and just kept fighting it because that's not what I was there to do. Um, but, uh, you know, in time realized, okay, it would make sense for me to learn how to cox. And then 
you know, there's a lot to work through. It's not just, uh, you know, even before you get to that point where you're motivating and watching people react to your motivation, you're like, which way is starboard? <laughs> which way is board? How, you know, how do I learn yeah. these things to then get them to come out of my mouth to get people so, to respond? Coral, I'm curious, who has been an influencer for you or a mentor for you? I know out here, you know, we have Mary Whipple up here in the Northwest. We, we love our Mary Whipple from the Olympics. Um, but who's been an influencer for you and what do you think you've taken from them? Who? Okay. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of Caitlin Gregian. Back then it was Caitlin Snyder. Just, we listened to her. I listened to her recordings all the time. Um, and then I got to know her personally with air quotes um so I, I would say like that was the goal but um in terms of a mentor I, I never really had one um I did so because I was a rower my first year um we had I had a little British coxswain and she was a walk-on she was just at school just for the year as a train or not a transfer um a study abroad and then she went back to the UK and she continued coxing and she learned a bunch just at this whole other level um, at, I think it was Edinburgh. And so we would communicate and she was actually teaching me how to elevate my, my game. But we only spoke for about a year. And after that, it was a lot of, a lot of studying on my own. Yeah, what do you think are some factors that go into being a really strong coxswain? One of the main things, um, it would be like knowing your role in the boat and like your identity and your self-worth because out of that will come your voice tone what calls to make how to say things how to word things and the respect that you earn and the trust you earn but if you come in with like this authoritative idea in your head or a very submissive idea or you think your self-worth is just so down here and the rowers and the coach are above you that's going to come off in your in your coxing and so even though it's like, I don't know, the, the easy stuff to teach are the calls and how to steer, but like the persona that you bring that you can't teach and you have to figure that out on your own. And I didn't know that until late in the game. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's a huge factor. Uh, like you just said, you can get in the boat and you can figure out all the technical stuff, starboard, port, making your calls, but it's how you how you make those calls. And um, it can take a while to kind of massage that and figure out how it works for you. And yeah. so I've always felt like whenever I listen to a lot of coxswain recordings, I think because a lot of them maybe are of younger coxswains coming out of high school and college. Remember, I started as an adult, as a master's. I think it's a little bit different when you get there. But anyway, long story short, I think there's like a lot of yelling, like there's a whole lot of yelling and it's expected <laughs> that coxswains are yellers. But really for me, it's come down to keeping calm, working your way through whatever the situation is step by step by step. And so, you know, developing that coxswain personality, I'm wondering for Corinne, you've been at this for a few years now, what would you say your coxswain personality is? Um, I definitely keep my tone pretty calm and firm. Um, like you said, when I first started, it was just like screaming, like I'll listen to my recordings from like 2019. It's just like me, like screaming at the top of my lungs. And now it's like a very sharp, but kind of calm and stern tone. 
her voice is amazing. Like it's it, just like she said, it's firm and sharp, but very controlled. And it's just like, you just want to do what she's saying without thinking about it. I love that. I love that. I, I have had coaches like that. We were like, I'll do anything for you. Like yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're just, and, cause they're just, you know, they're so, you know, they just want the whole thing to work. And I think it's such an interesting moment when your peers who are your age hand over that kind of responsibility to you. Right. And do you, Corinne, do you remember a moment where you're like, you feel like this was the boat. I got you they totally trusted you and you, and they just went with you. Do you, do you remember a moment like that? Yes, actually last Saturday, um, we did some mock 2k pieces. And, um, I think after our first 2k, I like to have a lot of what my coach calls leadership moments. So like in between pieces, I'll kind of talk to them, be like, all right, you know, this was good. This is something we can work on. Like I've seen you guys take your best strokes. So let's make sure we execute that the next piece. And um, seeing the whole boat respond to what I say differently, almost in a sense of trust. Like I think before they were kind of hesitant to do what I say because I wasn't always with that boat. But um, I think they started to really trust me and listen to what I say and just like do it. So, do you feel like that's one of your? I asked both of you to think about what your coxswain's superpower was. Do you think that calmness and that, you know, you can just? Yeah, I had a coxswain with the head of the Charles one time who said, "Take all your." concerns take all your worries put them in this backpack and then give it to me and I will take it and then I'll throw it overboard you know and she was just like I got you and she in her whole voice the whole I mean the Charles is a very long race so it was it was like that I totally get that that is cool say so what do you think your coxie superpower is so I would say I would say it's my dynamic with the rowers and and my hype I'm very what's called FTB, like for the boys or for the boys. And so I've always had like dude friends and I that's my personality and that's why I jive with guys more. Um, so I think that that dynamic right there, I've worked very hard to create so that being a woman on a men's team, I'm not sexualized. And that's not the first thing they see is, oh, girl. Um, so I try to get my personality to come out first. So that dynamic right there, it's like, okay, she's for the boys, like, what she wants is what's going to be what's best for us. And, and then my hype. Um, I love being hype. But the thing is, is you can't be hype until you're rowing well. So what I do is I use that hype to get you to do what I want you to do without you even knowing really that you're doing it so that it's you're rowing well, and you want to make the changes because you can feel the changes. Yeah, I, I listened to your recording of the Canadian Henley back in 2016. And no. Um, no, it was excellent. So first of all, you guys come off the line and I'm pretty sure I heard you say, all right, we're at a 45. And I was like, holy crap. So, okay, so you're at a 45 and your hype is on and you're like brash and you're intense right from the start. You're dropping F-bombs left and right and a whole lot of, yeah, boys. Like, this was excellent. <laughs> I love how hyped Rachel is right oh, now. Rachel right. is so- Hey team, yeah. it's Tara. It's post-production and we just wanted you to have a listen yourself. Sharp entries. All right, guys, max it out for seven. Ready? We move in two. One, two. Stick up the leg drive. Go. Go, Seb. Crank on it, baby. Sa! One seat down. Sharp. Good. Dropping the split. Yeah, 38 here.
Okay, so this is really interesting because my my race recordings are are I'll, I'll, there's crap because where I am the best coxswain is in practice, and mm. that's where I barely say anything, mm. and I just go with boat feel, and I I make those changes. So I'm developing this relationship with the guys so that in the race I can be hype, and I they already know mm. and. I know how to like change my tone during the race. So it's like, if we need to make a quick technical change, I'll drop my voice and be like, okay. And they can sense that drop in tone so they can respond to that technical call. But right. with, with the F-bomb, um, I'm from San Diego. That's just part of my language. Like we just, the way NorCal says hella, we say like, you know, oh, that's, that's hella cool. That's effing cool. So... <laughs> There's a lot of F-bomb, but it's less for the hype. Like, I know a lot of coxswains, like, think that I need to say the F-word to be hype. Like, I'm not using it to be hype. It just kind of comes out with the yeah boys. Yeah, but it's part again, of your it's natural. Not for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So that's awesome. I think uh, as a rower, as a sweeper, I know I relate to both Corinne's superpower and to Coral's superpower. I do like a coxswain that has a race persona versus a practice persona. Um, we've had many funny conversations, Rachel and I, with other podcast guests about funny coxswains that we've had who've done, made all, all sorts of embarrassing calls or, or what have you. But um, Corinne, do you feel like this is where you want to go? Like you want to stay with coxing until you get through, uh, get all the way into college? Are you already looking at colleges to cox at? Yes, ma'am. Oh. I go to college for coxing. That would be the goal. Okay. Okay. Uh, what's your dream school? Um, I don't have a particular dream school, but I do want to go to college in the Northeast. So anywhere in like New York or Philly. Boston. There would be Boston. Yeah, like with any college up there. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Steady State Network and on Twitter at Steady State Row. Sign up for our e-newsletter and become a patron at SteadyStateNetwork.com. In two, we're back with our coxswains. That's one, two, and we're back. Okay, so. Corinne, when we asked you if there was a coxswain that you'd like to meet and like to hear his story, um, can you tell us why you chose uh, Dustin Mara? It's been kind of hard. I'm really picky with recordings. I don't know. I've always liked Coral's recordings and I listen to hers like over and over again. And I was like, I feel like I should, you know, listen to some more to hear different calls and stuff. I found his on YouTube and I was obsessed. Like I still watch them all the time. I think I've seen every single video on his channel like three times now. Okay. Well, just, I love it. You're in luck, because here he is. No way. Yo. <laughs> what? Dustin's with us. Oh my gosh, no way. Hey, Dustin. Hello. Hello. Hi. Surprise. <laughs> I think she's a little starstruck. That's awesome. <laughs> a little. Thanks for joining oh, us, Dustin. Thanks, Dustin. So Dustin is out here in the Northwest, I think, with me. Yeah? Yeah, in Everett. Up in nice. Yep. Yep. Oh, I love that river. That's a great river. Oh, <laughs> we'll let Corinne uh, settle down for just a second. <laughs> yeah, Corinne or Dustin, this is Coral. I don't know if you've met Coral before. She's in her workplace there in Penn. And then uh, Corinne there is in Atlanta, Georgia. 
So we really were excited when someone says, I would love to meet this person because they've been a big influence on me. And that's you. And um, that's you, Dustin. Um, (laughs) So first, we want to hear a little bit about Dustin's rowing origin story. And then Corinne, we're handing it off. So think about what you want to ask Dustin and Coral if you've got stuff too. So Dustin, how did you get into rowing? Um, Okay. Funny, I... The summer I started our club at Ever Rowing, they did a, a campaign in the newspaper and they did a Groupon. And I think my mom found the, the newspaper and then she found the Groupon. And then I did like the first day summer camp and then I made a whole bunch of friends. And then I did every successive five, <laughs> I think there was five summer camps that summer and I did all of them just cause I fell in love with the sport so quick. And I think um, the community was so supportive of like new athletes up in Everett. So that was really awesome. But um, I think the funny thing there is that there's a generation of us at Everett that we call ourselves the Groupon babies because we all joined through the Groupon (laughs) or the newspaper. (laughs) And so we're a group of us Groupon babies and we all graduated the same year, like one or two years apart. But that was lots of fun. And I did it all through high school. I started when I was 12. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they threw me in the boat and they're like he might be a little too small to put him in the coxswain seat and I, I really found a home in the coxswain seat but started when I was 12 so that's like seventh grade um eighth grade I was on the novice team freshman year I made it on the varsity team that was my first nationals sophomore year I was the varsity coxswain up until graduation and then I went off to UW and I was a team manager at UW for a year so a few a few minutes ago we were talking about responsibility you know you mm-hmm. get in that coxswain seat and the coach might be somewhere on the river hopefully mm-hmm. within sight of you but you're in charge for a little bit and you're 12 years old how did that feel i uh, i it, it, major imposter syndrome like it's it's someplace that you probably shouldn't be putting a 12 year old especially on our river because our river is so dangerous because there's always like debris floating down after storms um the current runs really fast you really have to know how to maneuver the boat but at 12 years old there's just like go and do it and figure it out because that's just like i guess the mentality but I did <laughs> and we and we're here now everyone's still alive so everyone's okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. so corinne do you have anything you want to check in with dustin about or say me and the other coxswains at our boathouse talk about you all the time. Oh my god, you're like our go-to coxswain recording videos. So. Oh, I okay. Well, before <laughs> you start, I just want to say I, I like put out my recordings. I never expected anyone to watch them, but my team. But for some reason, now they're everywhere, and I always get like the one or two messages here and there. So it's always like super nice to talk to you guys and hear about how far my recordings go. Yes, they're amazing. But um, the first question we had for you was, um, what do you think is the most essential quality of being an elite coxswain? Okay, well, first, I don't want to label myself as elite because I never actually made it to the collegiate team. So let's just clarify that. But um, to make a good coxswain, I think you like an ability to comprehend things really quite quick, quack, quick, and then um, multitask. I think multitasking is very key to being a good coxswain. And then for my second question, I wanted to know which recording on your channel is your favorite and why? As the person doing the recordings, I kind of hate all of them on the inside. I mean, you're always very critical of the things you make. 
there's quite a few practice ones where we just did practice 2Ks my senior year in 2018, which I think that was maybe like peak coxing for me. So there's a river 2K and then there's a 2K at Goodwin, Lake Goodwin up here. Uh, we had talked with um, Corinne and Coral a bit about their coxswain personalities and taking the time to develop that personality. So Dustin, could you tell us a little bit about what you would say your coxswain personality is? Um, oh, I would say more calm and collected. I feel like I, I rarely like really am yelling in the boat unless I have to or we're sprinting. <laughs> but otherwise, it's, it's really just solid calm tone the entire time and I'm just trying to make technical decisions and I really am trying to emphasize the technical decisions over motivation because I trust that my athletes are pushing it but I don't trust that they're rowing the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a really good distinction working hard versus rowing well yeah and you the, the way that you just described your personality fits exactly with um one of your videos that I watched uh the men's b8 at master nationals in 2019 you it's like this super calm start but what I loved was that as you work your way off the start line through your start sequence into your settle it is super calm and I would say even those first five strokes, you didn't call them all. Some coxswains will be like half, half, three quarter, you know, whatever that is. I think you called in one stroke and then you let them go for their next five and then something, something, and they get it together. And you are just like, just kind of keeping them in order, really calm, really controlled and thoughtful. You get through your start sequence. And I think Coral and Corinne do this as well. A lot of coxswains do. We know once we get through our start sequence, that's when you take a peek, right? You, <laughs> your head's on your swivel and you look side to side and see who's around. And um, you did that, exactly. There was um, one other that I watched that was similar, it was Youth Nationals in 2018, is a V8 Petite Final. And what I really loved about your calls there were you were super patient for the first half, super patient first half, your boat's down. Like you were, I don't know, third, fourth in the race, you're down, you're back there, but you knew what your boat could do mm -hmm. and you, just wait, wait, wait. And then like second half of the race, like big go, you know, and you guys. Oh, up that's so awesome. You know? So you end up taking second in that race, walking through some boats and just that confidence to remain calm the first half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey again, from the editing booth, here's a clip of one of Dustin's recordings. Enjoy. Nine on 30 seconds, and 10. Yup, that's your 20, guys. Breathe, stay long. We're through 1250, and you're staying nice and tall. You're staying nice and tall right here. I'm on the bow ball of Rose City. I'm on the bow ball of Greenwich. I'm on the bow ball of NorCal. And you're explosive, guys. You're explosive off that front end. Sam and Parker, senior 10, in two. One, two, this one, move. One, shot. So what's that like, Dustin? What was, do you remember that race? Do you remember what that's like? Like what was going through your mind? I remember Cruz High School, we were always a slow team off the start. But once we hit that second thousand that we took a big 20 at like just before or after the thousand 
And that's where we would hit our stride and really hit our momentum. So that first thousand just really like waiting and like locking and dialing everything in off the start because it gets really crazy, gets really hectic. So just to make sure we're all together after that first 250 and then just waiting and building and building and building up to that thousand mark. And then that's when we would go. And then we knew that maybe our sprint wasn't the best. So we would really focus the energy on that, that 20 and then try to carry that momentum all the way through the end. I think that was the start and that 20 were always my favorite because you would just see the splits drop once we called the 20. And it was always something I looked forward to. And I always missed it after like it's done. I'd be like, ah, okay, well now we just have to hold the momentum. But yeah. What's um, for Coral and Corinne, what are your favorite parts of the race? Um, I think for me, it's probably the sprint because um, I think that's something our team is really strong in. Like I've seen some of our boats like win races just off of our sprint. And I've noticed a lot of the guys on our team, like at the end of the day, they know when a coxswain calls sprint, like they just go, they just hammer it. So I love the sprint. Nice, nice. What about you, Coral? Um, I've also always been with um, crews that are slow off the start. So it's just like, just get them together and have that hard shift. And then our big thing is just crush base. And so if you just have a super gnarly base, that's most of the race. And you just keep just kind of that freight train rhythm going. Um, I mm. love, I just love when they dial it in and you just feel that like through the finish every stroke. Yeah. So I, w I was in a boat one time and, and there was a code word, like it was a code word just for that boat. And it had some funny meeting, you know, it was, I uh, remember Patricia Carswell told us something that was like, not beer garden, but it was something like beer garden, <laughs> but it meant oh, like, you it know. basically meant like work hard now so that you can finish so that we can go eat. <laughs> and, and yeah. And for one of my boats, it was freight train. That was mm. the word all the coxswain had to say was freight train. You know, did you guys have you ever used code words for, for a boat? That's just that boat only gets that thing. Yeah. You're all nodding your heads. Yeah. 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 Okay. What are they? Are they um, totally this, silly? <laughs> well, for the sprint, I use, I used a lot of military calls. So one was like sabote. Another one was drill call. And that was our sprint. And it meant take three impulse off the front, two big back end. And that's how you're going to build two beats. And so I didn't have to keep saying that. I would just say drill call. And they just, and that's how we did each lift of the sprint. Mm. Okay. That's intimidating. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, I, my junior year, the seniors, I remember came in just before a race and they kept talking about yams. And so they're just super hyped about yams. And so the rest of the season, I would always like make a call something about yams or agriculture or harvesting or farming something. And that's what got them going. I don't know if it's as intimidating as the drill call, but it was what got us going. Oh, that's so hype. I love it. It's just, it's the inside joke and it works, you know? Yeah, it works. Corinne, for, you're shaking your head too, like you had one. Yeah, for my team, I remember um, when I was on the women's team freshman year, we had this one coach. Anytime a workout would get hard, he'd be like, all right, guys, you're entering the pain cave. So anytime we were like during a race, I'd call like entering the pain cave or sometimes they would call it the pancake. And they just... <laughs> <laughs> I like the pancake. I like the pancake. It, tur it turns that like negative of pain cave into something a little bit more, you know, manageable. 
<laughs> so actually we I do have one more one more question okay so we've talked about like when things go right and it's really easy to find coxswain recordings of good or at least decent races right where the boat that you're watching and the coxswain that you're listening to is at least coming in like second if not flat out winning the race I don't know about you, but I haven't seen too many coxswain recordings of coxswains that are losing their races, like that aren't going well. Nobody's like, check this out, guys, <laughs> like listen to this. But it happens, you know? So I'm assuming each of you has been in a boat, you come off the line, whether you're ahead or not, something happens, the boat's not feeling it that day, you're overpowered by other crews, and you just know that this is not going to end well or in your favor, how do you continue to motivate your crew to row the best that they can that day? Dustin's wheels are cranking. I see them. Um, I will say I do have a recording where everything just hit the fan and mm. it was all just, it was just bad. And I remember putting in the comments, I was like, here is every step to make this not bad. And like, don't make the mistakes I did. Mm. And it's so funny. Cause my crew was like, why would you post that recording? Why would you like, like expose us like that? Expose us. It was a, like, it was a race that was supposed to be super cool, brand new to our region, but then like again everything hit the fan it was super windy like stormy we ended up canceling the second day and we like shortened the race to 100 meter sprints and it's just it was super bad but that's on my channel if you dig okay, <laughs> it's, hard okay. Enough. it's somewhere in there but I think there's one race that comes to mind where it was a last minute lineup and we just went out just to, so that we could all have another race and off the line we were ready back two or three boat lengths and so it's just dialing everyone in to like make sure they're all rowing really well and to make sure the boat's going as best as it can. And that's, that's, that's where I go immediately on wind races like that. Yeah, Coral, have you had experiences like that as well? Yes. And yeah, like Dustin had said, it's, it's all bringing it back to technical, making it feel good so that you actually reap something from that race. And it's not just lost time, lost training, especially because you're usually tapering for a race. So you already lose that week of training. So let's get something good out of this. Um, if a race is ever going poorly, it should never stay going poorly. But at least like rowing wise, rowing wise, not results. Like you can't change that, but. Yeah, I've been in races not going well. And I know that the coxswain has said things like, this is your race. Um, let's get out of this the most that we can get out of it. Um, eyes in the boat, you know, don't get distracted, you know, don't worry about where everybody else is. Corinne, do you have any examples? Um, yes. So last Saturday I was racing with the 4V. And so that boat's kind of like a mix of some of our newer rowers and some of our more experienced rowers. And so everybody was a little bit nervous because, you know, we're all still technically learning in that boat. And I, I think, like I said earlier, leadership calls or um, leadership conversations in between pieces really help or just how I talk to the boat, kind of getting them hyped to just go fast and understand, all right, guys, like this isn't going to be technically perfect, but let's make sure we're still giving it our all and still like, you know, trying to make this boat fly. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you find it's important to, you know, 
at the end of a race, like, do you, uh, I want to talk about the end of the race, like after the race is over, you've carried the boat up and you do your boat huddle. Like where, what's your roles as coxswains in that post-race, um, boat huddles, do you think? I think talking about or walking through each part of the race and then like technically breaking it down and, um, you know, kind of picking each person and telling them, this is what I saw, this is what I didn't see, this is what we can work on. And um, I don't always post my videos to our like team album, but I'll always send it to my boat so they can see. And so that in the moment when I'm making the calls, like they may not, they may not like realize it, but when they go back and watch the video, they're like, oh, she was calling for me to put my blade in. It wasn't in, I thought it was in. So stuff mm -hmm. like that. So you videotape all your races from your point of view. Of yeah, the even the practices. Yeah. Oh, wow. Great. Coral or Dustin, do you have uh, examples of like post-race huddle, like some good moments there? I think it's, it's knowing for me, it's knowing when to, when to give the feedback and when to walk away from it. Cause you can meet for the huddle and it's just like, nobody wants to be there right now. And it's not, it wasn't the best race and we're all feeling down. So maybe giving the feedback in that moment's not the best time or even at all to give feedback. It's not best. But um, I always leave it to the coach to like make that decision of whether we're going to sit here and talk about the race or if we're not. And then if we do, then again, like Corinne said, to give the feedback and say, here's what we can do better at every step. Yeah. Coral, what about you? I, I really like to let the guys say their bit first. Um, they just spent the last six minutes like listening to me, like, they they know or they know how it went so it's nice to get their perspective but also just to let them vent and get it out and then maybe sometimes when they're in a better state of mind you can give the feedback but but yeah first is always just like okay hey, you go that's fair that's fair yeah, and it depends on your team. It depends on your coach. It depends on what they expect out of you or what you choose to do as the leader, as the coxswain. I do like that idea of letting the crew talk it out. But whoever goes first, I do think at some point it's important for the whole crew, the whole lineup to get together and talk about, you know, what happened, what happened well, what maybe went a little bit sideways, and then what changes are we going to make <clears throat> or what are we going to bring to our next event? Um Okay, Tara. Yeah. Are we Rachel. ready? Are we ready? <laughs> Are we ready? Two, up to. In two. In two. Up to. All right. We've okay. been with you guys for an hour. So thank you so, so much, by the way, for taking an hour out of your day. We always like okay. to wrap up. We do a little something we called rapid fire. Okay. Rapid fire Q&A. We're changing it up a little bit today because I was looking at uh, the Black Cox and Instagram account and you had a story in there called This or That, This or That Cox and Edition. So we're going to yeah. flip it on you and we're going to ask you all This or That questions. All right. Uh, do you want to, Tara, have everybody answer yeah. Question. Okay. Yeah. So to keep this a little bit in order, why don't we do this? We're going to have Corinne answer, then Coral, then Dustin. Okay. All right. Here we go. First question. Coxed eight or coxed four? Eight. Eight. I love the four. <laughs> He's yeah. a foul loader. Look foul at him. loader. Sweet. He's a foul loader. <laughs> okay. Uh, lake or river? River. Lake. 
River. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Cox, Cox box or Cox orb? Orb. I've only ever used a Cox box. Same, Cox box. What's an orb? <gasps> okay, so this is going to be a sideways tangent. So I actually <laughs> love this question. Um, Corinne, <laughs> I love orb? this question, Corinne, because you are young enough that most people probably are using Cox orbs or that is a, it's a newer thing on the market. Yes. That kind of hit the market maybe four or five years ago. And it's is it like not a stroke coach? It's just yeah. like a Cox box, except it's round, right? And I actually um, have mine in my room. I can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Show and tell. So, Show and tell. So it's not does made N by. It's does not NK by, make it? Mm -mm. No, NK doesn't. No. Care. Okay. And maybe, Corinne, you can tell us what the difference is besides I the shape. I love that she has this in her room. Yeah. <laughs> I was charging it for practice today. But oh my uh, God. Look at that cute thing. Yeah. So, but it still fits in the standard cup in the in the boat, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, I think it's just displayed differently. So for mine, the stroke rate's up here, and then it has like the stroke count and then the time. So yeah, and there's like different ones you can get. I'm actually upgrading mine because um, some of them show splits. I wanted to get one of them and decide if I liked it at first, and so I'm gonna upgrade and get the one that shows splits. Now that I want to do coxing in college, I was like, might as well. By the fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great that's idea. A, that's a whole other level of coxing. The cox and who can cox splits is a whole other thing. Because I mean, honestly, you have to take into consideration, this is totally a tangent. The weather, the the situation, like you can't the cox splits are not comparable. Times are not, you know, in my opinion, they're not comparable. They're not helpful for a coxin to be browbeating, like, you know, I need you at this cox split or something like that. But it's helpful information. I'm a data person, so I like data as well. But. Okay, uh, spring races or fall races? Spring. Spring. Oh, I love the Charles. Okay, fall, fall, fall. I'm going to go with fall. Nice, nice. Uh, sunglasses or a visor or a hat? So when you're out on the water, do you like to wear sunglasses or a visor and hat? Oh, hat. Hat. Um, okay, uh, morning practice or afternoon? Definitely morning. 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 Nice. All right. Okay, this is the big one. This is the this big kahuna right here. This is where you get to let it fly. All things are on the table. You can say whatever you need to say. There's no rules here. Okay, ready? Go, Rachel. Favorite cox and command to give? I guess I would say any calls for pressure because then you get to feel the boat pick up. So I, I guess that's kind of broad, but like any What's an example? Hammering the knees, drive it back love the boat pickup or lift and send I love the feeling of the boat after that so <laughs> oh that's cool because you can feel the results of it you can really feel it <laughs> okay okay that's yeah it's good all right coral ta and any if my guys listen to this they'll know it's right at the finish and you just go ta and it helps them gather and complete the stroke and get bodies over together and so it's just every stroke it's just kind of like ta and you can feel the change when I say that yeah, like Kurt was saying, you just feel the run. Okay, interesting. All right, Dustin? I, he's he's chomping. He's like, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I love calling the shift right off of the high. 
because I think that like the the contrast of like going from really really fast high stroke rate to just sinking into the base it was always the coolest to like call it and feel it at the same time yeah and especially when it goes well (laughs) when it goes well that next stroke right everybody hits the hits the catch together and then it's this giant strong stroke and sends the boat that's so great i you know i love a coxton that also circles back so say you've given up command um about a focus five or something like that when a coxswain comes back and says that's it or yes or good job or yes that's it i i gotta say as a rower that's like a number one like you know pat on the back you know in the middle of a row is like yes that's it so i do that when i cox my erg workouts on sundays with rachel we do an hour-long erg workout on sunday mornings with the world and I say a focus five and I'll, I'm not even looking at the screen and I'm like, that's it. You've got it. That's it. You know, I'm not looking at them, but it makes everybody feel better. I think. Yeah. yeah. So that's some, that's something I heard um, in one of Coral's um, videos that I listened to is between the F bombs and the yeah boys, <laughs> there's a really quiet, quick. Yeah. And I do the same thing. And it is that encouragement and recognition that, something's gone right in the boat and uh it's so key yeah yeah there's something about when they hit that technical change and you just drop your voice and you just go yeah that's it you feel that yeah and you just talk to them and that just kind of gets them oh I want to do it again yeah for me I I say I say there it is that's my Ooh. call. And I've been doing that for years and it, I actually don't know how it started, uh, but I've, that's been my call. There it is. So we're all glad that you guys stuck with coxing <laughs> and love it enough that you wanted to talk with us about it today. Uh, thank you so much for having us. Yes. Thank you so yeah. much. It was lots of fun. Good. Yeah. Good. Thank you. It's our first coxing episode. So we're, we're excited Yay. to have you guys. And I'm glad we got to surprise uh, Corinne with Dustin. And I hope, uh, you know, we'll connect all three of you. Thank you. And awesome. bye, everyone. Bye. Have a good day, everybody. All right. Well, Rachel, that was a great conversation. Really great to meet those coxswains. Yeah, they were really, um, really nice folks. And it was very interesting to sit down with three coxswains who are definitely a different generation than us. Um, I think they called us ma'am a couple of times. Twice, actually. Twice. (laughs) Each of us. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. Um, But besides that, you know, I I think that you and I were both both impressed by them. They were well-spoken. They've had some very impressive uh, results at regattas and are, you know, making waves in their own little ways uh, within their schools and clubs. You know, we, as coxswains, you know, both of us are longtime masters rowers and coaches and coxswains ourselves and have probably trained a lot of coxswains or at least mentored some coxswains uh, over the years. I know I used to do some uh, seminars with the Mount Baker Rowing Club because their master's system was such that masters had to cycle in and Cox eights and Cox fours and such. Mm-hmm. And I think that we could have asked just about any coxswain in the world uh, to be on this episode, but we stumbled into a group of young, fresh, exciting um, young folks. So um, I really liked it. 
Yeah, me too. You know, and I wasn't quite sure what we were going to get out of that. When it came down to it, it, it turned into this different conversation than I was expecting. And I kind of enjoyed that. It was a really fresh feeling. And a lot of that came um, specifically from Coral, who, you know, is super stoked that she's this California girl. And there's just this different vibe about her, different language that she's using than anybody else uh, that I've talked to, especially about rowing and coxing. Right. But it really made it seem like she was modeling the thing that we love, we'd love for all of our coxswains to do, which is to know your crew and know what challenges your crew and what turns your crew's uh, strength up or down or technique up or down. She seemed to be one of those coxswains that probably hangs out with her team outside of practices or has a good feel or the coaches, including the coxswains in uh, and other ways, other than just like put them in a race boat and let them go. Um, you know, these are coxswains that are practicing with various lineups all the time. And then sometimes these systems, I think with juniors is that they get bounced around quite a bit and then they land in the JV boat or the V boat or, and then that's their boat for that season or that race. Um, whereas in our world, you know, we might have one coxswain for an entire master's team. So they get, you know, they have to know everyone and kind of know, and some coxswains, I think, just adopt their personality and that's what they go with. And they don't care who's in the boat. They don't care. They just say, this is what I do, whether I'm a screamer or whether I'm a patient kind coxswain or, um, but I think just their resilience and their uh, willingness to learn and follow their coaches uh, model for what Corinne called leadership moments. You know, she likes to do leadership moments in her boat or, Coral's idea of being FTB, you know, for the boys. Um, But it really came down to managing a situation that for other people might be stressful and really helping them excel. Yeah. And I thought it was really awesome to hear their insider's perspective on how they have learned to develop their coxing personas and whether that's learning from a really good coach, like it sounds um, like Corinne is working with now. She's got coaches that she's absorbing so much from, Um, you know, at just 17, she just is really taking what they have to say and figuring out how to use it. Um, And then it sounds like Coral did a lot of looking outside of her own team and um, found some other coxswains that she really respected and learned a bunch from them as well. Um, But it really got me thinking about, you know, my time coming up as a coxswain at the master's level. And honestly, I don't feel like I really ever had a coxswain mentor. Uh, I'm sure like, it's been so long that I don't really remember anymore. I'm sure that there were coaches who told me like, try X, Y, and Z steer this way, you know, work on this, that, and the other thing, but I don't really have a strong memory of that. And someone saying to me, the sorts of things I heard, uh, Corinne Coral and Dustin saying about leadership and development and team building. Like, I think I just figured all that stuff out on my own. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting that when we asked them, like, what would be the ultimate, like, academy of coxing, they drew a blank. Yes. 
And I wonder if that's because there is just a lack of that kind of thing, or I'm more familiar with the silo that coaches, new coaches are put into at a lot of different levels. It's a figure it out. It's trial by fire. Um, so I think Corinne's really lucky that she has a coach that's teaching how to manage a team because I mean, that's going to come in handy in her life as a professional person, yeah. uh, as, as it will for all of them in terms of collaboration. But, um, I thought it was really interesting that they couldn't just say, ah, I want to go to Mary Whipple's yeah. camp someday, or I want to go to ODP, the Olympic development camp someday and really learn from coxswains. The other thing that was different about them was recordings using yeah. recordings as a way to learn. And the fact that Dustin had a YouTube channel, the fact that it's just standard practice for them to record themselves and mm -hmm. listen, mm -hmm. uh, also to record the, the, the visual of the row and share that with the team. Yeah. Like this whole thing about video review and all of that, that I don't see that a lot in, in, in the master's teams that I've worked with. Um, so I think it's kind of a note for all of us that there could be some value there. Um, yeah. there could be some opportunities there, um, considering the technology that's available. I know our coach used something like called, um, coach's eye, mm -hmm. which breaks it down, you know, frame by frame, um, the rowing stroke and a whole team format or one rower in particular. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, it was introduced me to some new ideas and, um, things that I would maybe like to integrate. Yeah, the technology is so different. Um, certainly when I started rowing, we, we didn't have our cell phones on us all the time. We didn't have cell phones, period. <laughs> right. Um, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. And truth be told, um, what, even if I'm a real, I'm a late adopter of a lot of technology. I'll just put that on the table. For whatever reason, I'm always like hesitant for a good like year or two when something new hits the market or, you know, somebody else is doing it. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I like it the old fashioned way. I'm a paper and pencil kind of girl, you know? Right. Um, so it took me a really long time to start bringing my phone in the boat and I think part of that was I felt like it was a distraction and I thought my coaches thought it was a distraction, but the point was I could have it there to be shooting video, recording audio. Um, and I'm looking forward. I mean, I ended up not doing that a whole lot. And then I've just been off the water for a couple of years. So I'm actually looking forward to the time we get back on the water, hopefully sometime this year. And like you said, starting to institute this, asking myself to shoot and record and talking to other coxswains and coaches to record. Um, I think oftentimes we use those recordings though to then turn around and look at the rowers only. Um, and it's a really great opportunity for coaches to listen to the coxswains and coach the coxswains, which at the master's level, I feel is really overlooked a lot. Yeah. I remember I used to put together a coxswain training session and it was everything from the main gist of it was to get everyone on the same page about how to call something. For instance, you, you don't say way enough in two, you say into way enough, you know, you use the command after the count. Yeah. Um, and then things like how to dock or how to call for help or how to check it down or how to call this and that, how do you even get yourself oriented? If you're a sweep rower and all of a sudden you're in the coxswain seat, you don't know port from starboard right away. Like you might have to like get yourself oriented. So 
tricks to do all of that. These are kids that are full-time coxswains. Yeah. Um, and that's all they do. So it's understandable that they're studying it. I was fortunate in my master's club in the last few years that I was in uh, with Conabare, we had a dedicated coxswain. She was a coxswain for the University of Washington in the 80s. She'd never lost a race. She had a legacy to uphold. Mm. And she was arguably a student of her own art form, right? Because that's what she did. Uh, she got to know people off water. She got to know people on the water. She knew what made people tick. So sometimes I think with masters, we're straddling that line of I'm a rower on this day. I'm a coxswain on this day. So I don't really register. Uh, and some people are just anti, like I do not yes. want a cox at all, or even bow cox. I don't know what you call it, but the person who sits in the back of the, the double or the back of the, um, the bow of the quad. So, um, Definitely some cool ideas there. And then again, just a fresh perspective. You know, these are young people who are starting out their careers and starting out their lives. And it's nice to see that they're holding the sport in such regard. They really have it in a high esteem. Yeah, absolutely. And that not only are they excited about their role in the boat, but that they respect their coaches and they respect their teammates. And that is huge. I don't think that's the sort of thing that was really top of mind. Let's say when I was in high school as a softball player, you know, or right. as a swimmer, I wasn't being, I'm, and, and again, maybe my coaches were working with us about team building, but I was oblivious to it when I was a teenager. So it's really cool to hear uh, these three folks um, talking in that way. I should clarify though, Corinne, who is um, 17 and in high school. She's the, the youngest of the three we had. Dustin, it sounds like is, um, I think he's working towards a, a degree in college. And um, Coral is the oldest of the three and she's working towards a PhD. She actually called in from her lab. <laughs> and Penn, yeah, where Penn. she's researching like a COVID vaccine or something yeah. incredible. I mean, very yeah. well-spoken, all three of them, very yeah. well-spoken. What I also loved was what people won't be able to see because it was a, a podcast yeah. is the joy on their faces when they talked about races and they talked about great moments and just, they got all like, <gasps> you yeah. know, they just got so excited to talk about great moments and, yeah. and challenging moments. And you could tell that those were coxswains that I would want to have who are really into what they were doing, who took their task very seriously, who studied their task. Um, those are the kind of coxswains we want. So hopefully they have a great future in the community of rowing. If they stay with the community or whatever they pursue, it sounds like they're all smart and motivated and uh, great episode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So for everyone out there who uh, doesn't want a cox, you're in a master's crew and you don't really want a cox for whatever reason, you are a huge part of what makes the day great and the practice great. So, you know, up your game a little bit. If you've got questions, you've got concerns, you're not quite sure how to up your game as a coxswain, you know, give us a call. We can help out. We're here for you. <laughs> Maybe, maybe this year for our uh, uh, coaches summit, we'll have a, a master's coxing session. I actually kind of love that idea because as a master's rower and coxswain, I have wanted to attend some sort of um, coxswain camp. And a 
this was a good six or seven years ago, I found out that Mary Whipple was going to be in the area at doing a camp um, with her ninth seat organization. And I signed up to go and it was uh, me and a bunch of high schoolers. And so I'm I, mean, sure. I still, I got the information, but uh, I think it would be amazing if there was an opportunity like that specifically for masters coxswains, because I think we feel like we're just out there to figure it out on our own and hope we don't hit anything. <laughs> yeah. And, and one tip I, I went to this at the head of the Charles uh, one year when we're back mm. on and everything's happening. So over at community rowing Inc uh, on Friday and Saturday morning of the Charles, the big Charles weekend, I went to, it was hosted by Yaz Farouk, the head coach of university of Washington. And the room was literally almost all high school coxswains, scholastic level coxswains, um, who maybe it was their first time, you know, going down the Charles, good idea, you know, to go to a, a session like that. But I went because my adaptive double, they just wanted another perspective for the person in the bow. Mm. But man, that was just a cutthroat, awesome, succinct type of a uh, seminar. So for the head of the Charles people, you know, who put in a lot of time and studying, uh, Yaz Farouk is just an amazing resource because she's a champion coxswain uh, yeah. herself. So I think that they're out there. And also I want to mention Leslie Wright from Steering You Right, also the Chinook Racing Organization. Um, she gets a lot of kudos for the way that she coxes. Um, and then I think um, Corinne or Coral mentioned Caitlin Snyder, who was the Olympic eight winning coxswain in the last Olympics. Mm -hmm. um, and of course our own Mary Whipple, who's out here in the Pacific Northwest with us, but yeah. I know that there's more out there and maybe we could do something fun and convene them all and see if we can get a panel or something together for a yeah. cool event this year. Yeah. Great. I, I love that idea. I know um, getting back on the water whenever that happens this year, I'm excited, but I am also a little nervous because it's it has been a while since I've steered a boat and just kind of getting the the boat feel again you know remembering um remembering the course on the river we've actually got a new a new bridge with new spans on the river so I'm gonna have to get used to that traffic pattern um and then just that whole notion of like refinding my coxswain personality and this is something that didn't come up in our conversation with them but I would love to ask this of someone like Caitlin Snyder or Mary Whipple, which is, I wonder if they ever get tired of hearing themselves because this happened to me several years into my rowing and coxing career where I just was like, ugh, broken record, sick of it. Everybody in the boat knows what they need to do anyway. So I'm just going to shut up for a little while. And then this actually became a part of my persona. I started calling silent tens and I called it so that my crew, I call it in a way that I was telling the crew to listen to the boat, but it was really like a psychological reprieve for me because I yeah. was just not interested in talking anymore. So yeah. I call a silent 10. So anyway, I'm just kind of curious if that ever happens with other coxswains as well. And I point about scholastic coxswains. I know that at the Mount Baker Rowing and Sailing Center, which has a huge juniors program, high school, you know, scholastic program, they regularly evaluate their coxswains. Mm. So they will give the coxswains feedback, you know, constructive feedback. 
um, about you're talking too much. You know, you say this too much, your tone, I need you to talk lower. I need you to, you know, mm. and so I think also taking the opportunity to ask master's rowers, what makes a great coxswain for a master's rower? Um, I know when I've taught learn to row, uh, sometimes I've signed them up for the row for the cure event, which is, you know, kind of an exhibition event. It's not really high pressure, uh, racing event. And I've encouraged the coxswains to do like, all right, the next 10 is for the bow pair and on down the boat and things that would inspire things that wouldn't drive people and also things what not to do like a coxswain that says, I know you're tired. It's, you know, that kind of thing. Like, Ooh, girl, worst, worst thing worst. ever is to yeah. talk about how dead or tired yeah. or badly a crew is doing. Do yeah, not yeah, yeah ever only positive things. Yeah. I've always, I leave the T word tired word out. I never, ever say it. I don't say fatigued. I don't say, man, you've worked so hard to this point. You must be tired. It's like, because once you say it, you, you know, the rowers start grinding on that notion. So it really um, demoralizes the crew. You yeah. can feel it kind of yeah. go down yeah. or, you know, mention how far behind you are. Yeah. You know, once you're far behind, it's about that boat getting to the finish line with as much dignity and good technique as possible. Yeah. You know, whether you need to dial it back. And those are all just nuances that a freaked out newbie coxswain or someone who just doesn't have a lot of uh racing experience can really flub up um and then there you know then there's like that resentment piece so i think that even masters need to have an evaluative piece for their coxswains like who's your favorite coxswain who uh you know what's great about a good coxswain at the master's level like ask your crews like take that time to evaluate and then uh that's actually how they vote for the most competitive coxswains to move up is that they use this evaluation process and they say that, and then they, you know, they promote people into varsity, you know? Yeah. You know, now that you say that, um, I've never been on the giving or receiving end of a coxswain evaluation like that. And it's kind of mind blowing to me that 20 years in, I've not been a part of a crew that does that. Um, That's interesting. I wonder if there's yeah. a, a format or a template somewhere out there that maybe we could could borrow yeah. from, you know, maybe Steering You Right has that. Maybe mm -hmm. she's got something. And I know definitely at the scholastic level, they do coxswain evaluations. Maybe Corinne um, has a copy of something that we could take a look at. But yeah. these are all, I think the bottom line is these are all like tools and tricks that may be new to our level of rowing and our world about rowing. Um, of course this, we're not even talking about elite rowing, you know, Coral had intense amounts of elite uh, rowing experience, but just your basic everyday rower, like who we like to talk to here at steady state, the basic everyday rower who has a coxswain when, and also so many singles rowers, um, you know, cox yourself, like, how do you cox yourself? How do you keep yourself, um, accountable and uh, motivated to do the piece that you're going to do? Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, so, you know, fresh, exciting great to see the young folks <laughs> and this young is me rocking back and forth in my rocking chair <laughs> oh man um yeah well it was great to talk with them i'm glad that we did tara and i think that this is like you know conversation number one about coxing with many more to come 
just now we've rehashed all sorts of new ideas. So I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what else we um, come up with in the next, you know, several months. Yeah. And if any of our listeners have ideas about things they want to know more about or coxswains or, or folks they want to meet in that realm, um, definitely send them our way. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. In two, signing off. <laughs> it's one. One. Two. two. Signing off. When you join the Steady State Patreon community as a subscriber, you're supporting the new narrative in rowing and a couple of your fellow entrepreneurs making it happen. Patrons get bonus content, swag, and early access. Join today, www.steadystatenetwork.com, and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Steady State Network. To see photos of our guests in the Coxon seat, along with links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Did you know that Steady State is more than a podcast? We've got virtual events happening every week that bring together the rowing community from across the country and around the world. Because we miss practices and we really miss post-practice coffee with teammates, you're invited to join us for a 30-minute coffee chat every Friday, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. Grab your favorite mug and join the conversation. And join us for Steady State Sundays every weekend on Zoom Ergos. During these 60-minute Steady State Erg workouts, we chat and provide cues to keep you motivated. Arrive warmed up, stay as long as you want, and stick around after to talk. We're also excited to be a media partner for the one-of-a-kind Para Rowing Global Meetup series hosted by Seize the Oar Foundation. These free sessions are open to all Para Rowing coaches, athletes, admins, and fans to talk, connect, and strategize for Para Rowing success in 2021 and beyond. Register for the April 20th meetup today. To find out about any of our events and claim your spot in our lineup, visit steadystatenetwork.com slash events. In two, let it run. That's one, two, let it run.